Today's sermon's entitled, Gifts for Jesus. My name is Reverend Derek Gelder. I'm the pastor here at McKees Mills Baptist Church, and I want to say Merry Christmas. It's almost that time of year where we celebrate the birth of our Lord, Savior, and King. I got thinking about this time of year specifically about gifting. You know, it's one of the things that we all do. We tend to go, and we buy a whole bunch of things, and then we gift it to other people. It's the way that we express our love towards one another during this time of year. Obviously, you want to give the kind of gift that the other person looks at and says, thank you. They look at it and they say, you really get me. You understand who I am. You really know me because I really like the gift that you gave to me. That's what we're hoping to get for a response. We also realize that those individuals who are the closest to us, we tend to buy them a little bit better of a gift, a little bit more expensive one, especially if we know somebody else is going to do that to us. We know in the past they bought us a really nice gift. This year we're going to in turn buy them a really nice one too. We want to make sure that as we gift to others, we want to make sure that our gift is reflective of what they're giving to us. We're just those kind of people. And I got thinking about the significance of gifts and the sharing of our love towards one another. And I got thinking, what do you give the Lord Jesus Christ for a gift on his birthday? What do you give to him? It's not a very easy task, is it? It's something that we really all wrestle with and we try to figure out what do we do to give the right gift to the Lord Jesus Christ? And I think the thing that we have to do is first reflect upon the gifts that he's given to us. We really can't think of a real good gift to give to Jesus without first knowing and understanding the enormous gift that he's already given to each and every one of us. And I think he's given us so very much. I'm going to focus on just three gifts that Christ has already given to us. Number one, creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things are made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was a light of all mankind. I got thinking about this. What a beautiful thing. We were created. Now, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit always existed. They're the only ones that always existed. Everything else was created. All the, the devil was created by Jesus, it says in the Bible. The angels were created by the Lord. The earth was created by the Lord. Even time was created by the Lord. Everything else was created by the Lord, but God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit always did exist. There was a controversy that broke out in the fourth century. It was called the Arian Controversy. A guy named Arius said, you know what, I think because in the Bible it says something about, you know, God the Father begotten the Son, I think that he's a created being, is what Arian said. Arius said. And, and you know what, this controversy broke out, and a guy named Alexander came to the rescue and said, that's not what God's holy word says. Not at all. It says, ultimately, there was no time in which Jesus Christ was not. He always did exist, even before time itself. John 17, 5 says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. It also says in the book of Revelation that Jesus Christ is the Alpha, the Omega, the very first and the very end. In other words, he has no beginning and he has no ending. I know that's hard to understand, but he always existed eternally. I got thinking the number of years that God exists is unsearchable, Job 36, 26, because he's always been there. And I got thinking everything that's ever been made, everything that we see, everything, including us, was all created by the Lord. And I got thinking, well, why did he create us then? Why did he create this world? Why did he do all of this in the first place? And in Acts 17, 24 to 25, and when he's talking, Paul is, to the Athens, and the Athens people had a whole bunch of different gods, 
And he said, you know what? The Lord does not need you to give sacrifices. The Lord does not need your praise. The Lord does not need your worship. The Lord doesn't need anything from a human being whatsoever. Now, does he want our praise? Yes. Does he want our worship? Absolutely. Does he want us to love him? Sure he does. But does he need those things? And the answer is no. We also look in scriptures and we find out that, you know what? He wasn't lonely. Jesus didn't create us because he was lonely. Because ultimately, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit always existed and always had commune with one another, according to Scripture. And, and so I got thinking about it. Hold on a second now. Then why did he create us? Out of love. He created us out of love. And he created us ultimately, I think, gift number two, to have a relationship with him. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and every living creature that moves along the ground. And I think this is absolutely beautiful, this passage. It's saying that God the Father, who's in heaven, has all these different characteristics and we share in those characteristics. For instance, God has knowledge. He has infinite knowledge. We have limited knowledge. God the Father in heaven has the ability to love. We have the ability to love, albeit nowhere near like God, but we do have the ability to love. God the Father can communicate, and we have that ability to communicate too as well, and so on. In other words, we were created in the image of God so that we might have a relationship. We might know him. We might want to get closer to him. And this is absolutely critical for us to do. Psalms 139, King David says this. He says, you knew me. When I was being in my innermost womb of my mom, you knew me already. He said, even before I come out of the belly of my mother, you already wrote down everything about me. In other words, everything that would ever happen in my life, you wrote down in a book. You knew everything, and you know everything that I'm going to do and what I'm going to say. You know it all. That's how close God ultimately is to us. He says, you know what? We were created a little bit lower than the angels. And even Paul said, do you not know as Christians, one day you will judge the angels? This is what the Lord thinks about us. God holds us very close. He considers us incredible. He loves us very much so. And even when we die, our spirit, it says in the Bible, in Ecclesiastes 12, 7, will return to God in which gave us life in the first place. God has given us eternal life. And, and while we have a dis distinct beginning, we have no ending. And we have to understand that where we go depends on the way, what kind of relationship we have with God. If we love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, we believe Jesus Christ atoned for our sins and died on the cross and rose again, we get to go to heaven. If we don't, then we don't make it to heaven and we end up in hell. And this is what we want to focus on, gift number three. It's through the atonement of Christ that this relationship with God that was always possible actually gets realized. You see, we all fall short of God's glory. None of us actually do what we are supposed to do. None of us actually serve the Lord Jesus Christ in the way that we were meant to. We have been given free will, in other words, choice. And because we've been given free will, we tend to go the wrong way. We tend to go towards another path, a path that we definitely should not be going towards at all. We tend to pick our own way or search our own goals and our own dreams, and we tend to ignore God. And it says in the Bible that we imitate the first Adam, in other words, Adam and Eve. And, and with the sinful nature we did just like Adam did, we decide to rebel against God and do whatever we please in life. 
We know the wages of sin is death. And we know that we can't have a relationship with God. An honest one, a true one, one that we get closer to a holy and a perfect God without something happening. And this is the second Adam it talks about in Scripture. And it says the first Adam came from the dust, but the second Adam actually came from heaven. And Jesus Christ was fully human and fully God. Comes to this earth, he empties himself of all the glory he had in heaven. And it talks about this in Philippians. And and he says, you know what? I'm going to live amongst you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to tell you my gospel message. And then I'm going to die and rise again for you so that I might pay the price for all the anger God has against you rightfully because you've sinned against him. And because I pay that price, if you have faith in me, then you can not only have a relationship with God, but you'll be adopted into his very own family. And I think that's incredible. It says, God breathed into Adam the breath of life. But Jesus Christ, when he breathes into us, he gives us a gift of the Holy Spirit. We become born again, born of the Spirit. That's incredible. So we have amazing gifts that are given to us from the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's just a few of them. There's many, many more of them, but that's the major ones. So with that in light, all the things that we've been given by the Lord, which we never earned, none of us earn our salvation, for by grace you are saved through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast. We got to sit back and say, okay, I didn't earn my salvation. I didn't earn my relationship with God, but I have it through my faith in Jesus. Now the question is, what do I give Jesus in return? He doesn't need anything from us, but he wants us to love him. He wants us to basically sit back and fulfill all of scripture. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love one another. This is what the Lord wants from us on his birthday. This is what he's looking for. And we we got to get a basic understanding of this atonement. When we understand how much Christ gave to us, this should give us some passion. This should get us excited. We should sit back and say, you know what? On Jesus' birthday, I want to give to him what is right in his sight. I want to make sure he is pleased ultimately with what I do. And that's important. So the question is, what do you get Jesus? Now, I know when I go out in the malls, I don't like it very much. I go out and I look at all the different uh, stores and I look through all the merchandise and I look at all the prices and I sit back and say, what do I get my spouse? Or what do I get my children? Or what do I get anybody in my family? Because look at all this stuff and what would they actually like? It's a hard process, isn't it? Even more so when it comes to Jesus Christ who has everything. What do you give them? Love. But let's just talk about the bad gifts that we've given in our lifetime. And I got thinking about, would you actually wear this? Would you wear a sweater that looks absolutely hideous? Maybe as a joke, as this couple probably ultimately did online, but would you wear that day in and day out? Is that the kind of gift that we want to give to Jesus? Something that is like a joke that doesn't really matter and it's not what he's looking for? I don't think so. Or maybe, you know, maybe you've gotten a dress like this where you look like some hideous animal. And again, maybe you'd show up once out in public with it just to get somebody to click the picture, but you wouldn't wear that day in and day out. Or maybe it's a hideous looking car and you'd look at this car and say, you know what? I don't think I'd want to be seen out in this in public very often. Do you want to have a good gift? You know, at Christmas time, when we open up gifts, often our face displays exactly what we think, like this lady here. She opens up her gift and then her face curls all up and she says, oh my goodness, you don't get me. You don't really love me. You don't really understand me because if you did, you wouldn't have bought me this. You would have bought me something else. Look at the rotten gift you got me. 
We don't want Christ to look at us and say, you missed the mark. I told you in scripture what I wanted for my birthday, but you didn't give it to me. You didn't give me anything for my birthday or what you gave me was not what I asked you. So the question becomes, what does Jesus Christ, who has absolutely everything, who created all things and through life, ultimately all of us exist through him, what does he want on his birthday? I'm not saying what he needs. He doesn't need anything. But what does he want from us? And that can be found in his last will and testimony. He says this, I pray for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world might believe that you have sent me. The question becomes in this last will and testimony, what do we do? How do we think about this last will and testimony? Jesus is saying basically, go to God, learn how to love from God, the Father, Son, or Holy Spirit, learn how to love rightly, and then share that love with the world. That's his last will and testimony. You know what? I think that's awesome. Reflecting on the gifts given by Jesus, is this too much to ask from us, for us to actually learn how to love from him and share it with the world? I don't think so. The problem, though, is, is that when we do this, it's not an easy thing to do whatsoever. John 13, 35 says this, by this, by this ability that we have, when we actually get in front of God and learn how to love and we share that with other people, the world will know you are Christians. Why? Because you love one another. That's huge. You see, the world does their own thing. And most people in the world will sit back and say, whatever's good for me, that's fine. I'm going to do it. And not too many people actually put others first all the time. They tend just to put themselves first. And when the world sees that we are born again believers and that we actually love God and we're sharing our love with other people, that is huge. And the world notices. That's why in John, he says those words. He says, if you just learned how to love from God, and if you just share that love with the world, then guess what? They'll know that you're from Christ. They'll know that you're having a relationship with Jesus because that love doesn't come natural at all. There is a time coming, though, and we got to be careful of this as Christians, or maybe you're a non-Christian listening. Be especially careful. It says this, when the Son of Man comes, and he is going to return again in his glory, and the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a sheep, as a shepherd separates a sheep from the goats. There is a time coming when Jesus Christ is going to return and hold everybody in account. In other words, everyone, not just some people, not just Christians or not just non-Christians, everyone that we see, everyone who exists or ever did exist, he's going to hold them for account. And the question is, what kind of account are you ultimately going to give? Do you love the people around you? Jesus is going to return. He's going to say, number one, do you have a relationship with me? If you don't, then he's going to cast you into hell. If you do have a relation, he's going to take you to heaven. But at the same time, he's also going to ask another question. He's going to say, did you love the people around you? For I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Are you doing those things to the world? Jesus said, if you truly love me, and if you've truly gotten love from me, then what you're going to do is that love's going to fill your heart, and it's going to extend out to the world. And as you feed the hungry, as you give water to the thirsty, as you give clothing to other people, as you help other people out in this world, 
It's going to show your love comes from God. And that's incredibly important because Jesus says, if you do unto the least of this world, you've done it unto me. Talk about motivation for us to want to do things. But the problem is, is that many people, when Jesus does return, are going to think they're going to heaven and they may not be going there at all. It talks about this and it says just because you're in the church and just because you sing songs and just because you read the Bible and just because you pray doesn't mean you get a free ticket to heaven. That definitely not. You know, the truth is, is the only way we get to heaven is through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 7, to 23, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, you know what, you will say some of you, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not drive out demons in your name? Did I not perform many miracles in your name? Surely you know me. And Jesus is going to say, no, I don't know you. I never had a relationship with you. You never made me the Lord of your life. You see, Jesus wants us to love him and through the love we get from him to extend that to the world. First and foremost, the church. Do you love everybody in the church? There's a tough question. Don't be too quick to say, absolutely, Pastor. Of course I do. I can tell you just about every church I've ever seen. There are people that you do love and other people that you don't. There are people that you get closer to and other people that you wander away from. The truth is, is that some people you get along with really well and other people you would never hang around with outside of the church. But Jesus says, you know, here's the truth. You cannot say you love me, God the Father in heaven, whom you have not seen, and, and, and say that, 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 that you love the people around you in the way that you do. Like you can't go up to the people and say, I don't love you, and I see you, but I don't love you. And he, you can't go to God the Father and say, I've never seen you, but I do love you. He said, it doesn't work that way. If you've truly seen me, God says, then you're going to be filled with my love. And that love will be naturally extended to the people around you, all people, even to the extent that you will love your own enemies. Think about that for a moment. That's not easy to do. When we find people that don't like us, we tend not to like them back. When somebody does wrong to us, we tend to look for ways to do wrong to them. And it's very hard to break that habit, a worldly habit of retribution. But Jesus says you're supposed to love everybody regardless of who they are. Do you really love them? Do you really love them to the extent that Christ loved you? It says in the Bible that Jesus Christ, he died for us while we were his enemies. And, and he, he gave his life up for us. Do you love the people around you in the same way? This is the kind of love that Jesus is looking for on his birthday. And the final thing that I want to mention is be ready to be Jesus' hands and feet. In other words, what acts should I do? Obviously, Christ wants me to share my love with the world. What kind of love do I share? What kind of things do I do with the world? And that is whatever Christ asks you to do. We got to have a little bit of passion at Christmas time, don't we? I mean, when you go to a hockey game, there's certainly lots of passion when you go there. I mean, everybody's cheering on their favorite teams, and they're all excited, and some even paint their faces. They spend anywhere from, I don't know, $75, $150, some far more than that to get in a hockey game. They have incredible passion for their team. Do you have that kind of passion? Or maybe it's when you're watching the TV shows, one like Big Brother. Maybe you've got your favorites that you want to win, Big Brother, and other ones that you really don't want to win. People get quite passionate about their shows. And maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's shopping. You know, people are very passionate about their shopping. All you got to do is go to a Black Friday sale like this one, and you soon find out everybody's trying to get the very best deals and making sure that they don't miss out on them. Do you have that kind of passion for the Lord? I got thinking, you know what? The Lord wants us to have that passion. He wants us to be his hands and feet. 
you know, I got thinking about the boy, you know, can you imagine this young boy and he's, he's there with his mom and he's saying, you know what, you're packing my lunch and we'll just assume that probably she did. And she gives him, you know, five loaves of bread and two small fish and says, there you go. That was probably for the whole day, or maybe it was for several days and said, there you go. There's your lunch, son. Off he went. Never thought much of it. Then he meets Jesus. That alone would be just absolutely staggering. He got to not only meet Jesus, but Jesus talked to him and said, you know what? You got a lunch? You do? Okay, I'm going to share that with all the people that are here. And imagine the boy was looking around going, there's the 5,000 men here. Not to mention women and children. There's, there's 15,000, 20,000 people here. You're really going to share my tiny lunch with everyone? Yep, I am. I certainly am. And we know that Jesus shared that with everyone. We know that Jesus Christ uses the extra, the 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 people that are just passionate to serve. He sits back and says, you know what? I use the ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Five small stones, David approaches a giant called Goliath. And with one small stone, Goliath dies from that one small stone because Christ made that stone go right in his forehead. And, you know, we got other examples of where, you know, six jars of water are brought before Christ and he makes them all into wine. We have the instance in which, you know, Elijah asked for a handful of flour and olive oil from a widow who has nothing left but that water, that flour and the oil. And they, they live off of that for a very long time. And we got, you know, so many examples of the healings and casting out of demons and so on and so forth that the apostles did in God's holy word. You know what? God uses us, the ordinary people, to do extraordinary things. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, according to his power that has worked within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. We are able to do whatever the Lord asks us to do. He says to us, ultimately, though, if we sow sparingly, we're going to reap sparingly. In other words, if we don't take the love that we get from the Lord Jesus Christ and all the blessings and share them with the world, then we're not going to see significant things happen in our lives. The truth is, is that we get to do miracles in Jesus' name if we're faithful to him. And whenever he asks us to do something, if we say, yes, Lord, I'm all in, then we do get to do incredible miracles in his name. So the question becomes, Christmas is almost here. What will you give the Lord Jesus Christ on his birthday? What will you give him? He's given you everything. He's created you, ultimately. He's created all of us. He has atoned for our sins, died on the cross, and rose again. He's paid the price for our wayward attitude, our, our desire to do our own thing and go against God. He's paid the price for all of that. The question is now, what will you give him in return? Will you love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? And will you love the people around you? That's the question. And I want you to think about that. Pray about that because that's incredibly important for us at Christmas time to give Jesus a gift that's really precious. And what he's looking for is us. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. He wants us to praise his name. He wants us to serve him. He wants us to love him. He wants us to get down on our hands and knees and say, thank you, Lord, for all the blessings. Now give me the strength and the courage to go to the world and tell them about those blessings and give me the strength to love them. Do you love the people of this world? Do you love the people in your church, all of them? Do you love the people in the world, in your family? Do you love the people that are around you? And are you willing to be the hands and feet of Christ? And are you willing to put them first? 
Paul talked to the church of Philippi and he said, do not look out after your own interests, but look after the interest of other people first. Take care of their needs first and then your own. Is that what you're going to do this Christmas? I hope and pray that it is because what the Lord wants is us to love him and to love each other. Amen.